Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. On a mission to bring the benefits of sport to kids everywhere, they go beyond technology to provide leaders with professional development and relationship building, and to work with sports-based organizations to address issues of accessibility and equality. To learn more, find them at League Apps com or as league apps on all of the social networks now here's the host of the show longtime soccer broadcaster and voice of united soccer coaches dean linky i love our show today as we continue to celebrate title nine and 50 years i always love it when we have four powerful and influential women and that is exactly what we have today we kick off with meredith hawkinson who is an outstanding player for the Michigan Wolverines. She will take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers tonight in Minnesota, her home state, where she was a two-time Gatorade Player of the Year and just as important, a United Soccer Coaches All-American. Michigan's forward slash midfielder Meredith Hawkinson will kick off the show. Lee Gerald, formerly the advocacy manager for United Soccer Coaches, now focuses exclusively on high school soccer coaches within United Soccer Coaches. High school coaches, by the way, make up the biggest part of the association, so it makes sense they put somebody who loves high school soccer in charge of the high school coaches for our membership. Lee Gerald is outstanding with great messages as well. And then we move to our continued Latino Soccer Coaches Community Podcast Takeover, where Art Hernandez is joined by an amazing woman, Jessica Montiel, who is a youth high school and college coach, a mom of two, like Lee, who is a mom of three. What a story she has. Love the story of Jessica. Well done, Art, bringing her to our attention. And remember, we're always going to focus every week or try to on somebody doing great things with the newly created training ground jeff van dusen announcing that just a couple weeks ago dr rachel linval actually came on a month ago to talk about how excited she was to be a part of it well she's now written an article training attention in our athletes again training attention in our athletes what an important topic when you try to get them to focus she breaks it all down and gives tips as well four amazing women meredith lee jessica and Dr. Linball. And it all starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, League Apps. We bet you didn't get into this business for the back office duties. That's why we created League Apps, the industry's leading youth sports management platform. So you can spend less time with busy work and more time doing what you love. League Apps provides organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by League Apps. Once again, here's the host of the show, Dean Linky. Kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast with one of my favorite players in the Big Ten. She is Michigan's Meredith Hawkinson. She's a grad student and she will be featured tonight on the Big Ten Network, 8 o'clock Eastern, as she goes back to her home state of Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Meredith Hawkinson, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. One of the reasons why I always call you my favorite player, and I've actually been the longtime voice of the North Carolina Courage, 
And my favorite player there is Denise O'Sullivan. I don't know if you know her, but she's now playing for the Republic of Ireland. She is one of these players that isn't a big player, but she's tough and she's gritty and she's not afraid to get stuck in. And I think that describes you and the way you play. Is that fair? Yeah, thanks. I mean, I'll take that. That's a compliment. That's just from growing up playing soccer with my brothers and all the boys. Oh, yeah. So how many brothers did you play with uh, growing up? So I have two brothers. I have an older brother and a younger brother. But when we were playing, it felt like two older brothers. And then obviously all their friends. So I was surrounded by a lot of a lot of male soccer players. Well, and one of them played at Creighton and was playing with Nashville. Is he still playing with Nashville? Yep, still playing with Nashville. All right. That's awesome. So and your family is full of athletes because I think your dad was a college athlete as well, right? Yeah, he played um, Division three basketball at Concordia. I don't know how many times you've been back to Minnesota with Michigan, whether it's two or three. I think this is your, is this your sixth year now, Meredith, or your fifth year? It's my fifth year. Fifth year. Great. So you took advantage of the COVID year. Do you know how many times you've played at Minnesota? This will actually be my first time getting back to Minnesota. Yeah. Crazy. That's just how it worked out. So by coming back for the fifth year, you get to play in front of your family and friends in Minnesota. Is that right? Exactly. That's um, the joke on the team is everybody said that I came back for one more year just so I could play at home. Oh, that'll be a treat, right? Is everybody fired up? Oh, yeah. Everyone's super excited. I got a lot of family and friends coming to the game, so I'm excited. Tell me your story growing up. So you grew up in Minnesota. You Mm -hmm. played soccer. What else did you play? Just soccer. I tried some other sports early on, um, wasn't very good at it, couldn't use my hands. And so I got into soccer and kind of just stuck with it and ran with it and love it and no regrets so far. So, well, you were legit though. I want to remind everybody, she was the two-time Minnesota Gatorade player of the year, four-time offensive MVP and leading scorer coming out of high school. And I'm assuming this is United Soccer Coaches podcast. I'm assuming you were also a United Soccer Coaches All-American where did you make it to that event? Yeah, I did. I got to go to, I think it was in Orlando. So I got to do that my senior year, which was an awesome experience. Awesome. Well, that's that's a great way to tie in the United Soccer Coaches podcast, because I feel like they do a really good job of recognizing great high school players. You know, in today's world, Meredith, it's all about, you know, the club system yeah. and that type of thing. But clearly, if you were the two-time Gatorade Player of the Year, clearly you enjoyed high school soccer. What did you like most about it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think the coolest part of my high school experience was being able to play with some of the girls that I grew up with. Some of my best friends are on the team with me. So getting to mix my best friends and then soccer, um, it was a great experience. I loved high school soccer. All right. So you're rolling along. You're the two-time Gatorade Player of the Year. I know you're also playing club soccer and now you're starting to get letters. Can you walk us through like your top three choices before you pick Michigan? I think from early on, my parents made it kind of a thing just to look at everything. And so I don't know if I had three top choices, but I had plenty of ACC schools, SEC schools, um, Pac-12 schools that I was in contact with and looking at. And then I was lucky enough to fall upon Michigan. I actually had known Tiffany Hansen since I was like 12 years old. I did ODP and went through that whole system with her. And so she had just always reached out to me throughout the whole process, which was really cool. And so when it got down to it, um, she was probably a big piece of the reason why I ended up picking Michigan was because she had just stayed in touch with me the whole time. So did you play for Greg and Jen or just Jen? I played just for Jen. You came in with Jen then at the same time? Yeah. So she was in the spring before I came. So she had a couple of months ahead of me. So I love Jen. Tell me what it's like playing for her. 
I was a little nervous at first, you know, I had been recruited under, under Greg. And so I had no idea what I was, what I was heading into. I had never played for a female coach before. So this was the first time and she just surpassed my expectations. I've been so lucky, lucky to have her as a coach, um, just on and off the field. She's super knowledgeable on the field. Um, you've seen that with how she's, she's kind of changed our program throughout the last few years. So she's legit. She knows what she's talking about. And then just personally on like a personal day-to-day basis, she's somebody that is super awesome, reaches out all the time. So somebody that I can definitely go to. So I've been really lucky to play under Jen. So pleased to be kicking off this big show with Meredith Hawkinson now in her fifth year with Michigan. She has 19 goals, 15 assists in her career, three goals and four assists this year, as we mentioned, two-time Minnesota Gatorade Player of the Year, and they play tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, in her home state, Michigan, Minnesota, 8 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. And what about Stephanie Golan? Did she try to get you to go to Minnesota when she was there? She's gone now, but did she try to get you? Yeah, I definitely looked at Minnesota. It was it was up there on the list, but knew I wanted to get out of get out of Minnesota. Um, great school, though, great program, and she was she was an awesome coach there. So. Okay, so on the field tonight, when you take on Minnesota, did you play with some of these players or a lot of these players? A few of them that I had played with throughout my club years have graduated already. So Kenzie Langdock, Ariana Domoral, both of them graduated. But I did play with Elena Dressley, who's an outside back. So I should be going against her tonight. I'm excited about that one. And then a few younger players from my club who were awesome players. So that'll be interesting, but very exciting. Well, you mentioned awesome last year. In fact, the last couple of years have been awesome for Michigan because not only are you winning a lot of games, you guys are scoring a lot of goals. You're playing an exciting way this year. You know, you're starting off a little bit slower, but I feel like you're going to turn it around as I think you come in to the season five, four and two, still looking for that first big 10 win. Perhaps it'll come tonight against Minnesota, but you know, last year, tremendous noise. And then you beat Rutgers at Rutgers to win the Big Ten tournament, and you made it all the way to the Elite Eight, and I thought you had Florida State. I thought you had that game one, but just talk about last season because it was a pretty special year. Yeah, definitely. Last year was one of my most favorite years that I've I've played soccer. We had a great team, a lot of experience on the team, a lot of older players who had kind of been there all along and had stuck it out throughout the years. And so I think that's just the biggest difference between last year and this year is we've got some new players this year. We just had more experience last year. And so I think that this year we're still kind of getting into the swing of things. I think a lot of people are having to step into new roles and take on different roles that they they had never before. So last year was a really, really fun year, but I'm also looking forward to, to the rest of this season with the team. Well, you're right, because you lose Hillary Beal, who was a rock star goalkeeper, who I think is now playing in the league. You mm-hmm. lost Stratagakis, right? She yep. turned pro. And then the talented Canadian Jade Revere, I think, is out for the season. So that hurts. Mm-hmm. And then you had the midfielder that could easily be playing pro soccer, but she already had a job, I think, with Nike or Adidas. Uh, yeah. Remind me her name in the middle of the park. What was her name? Raleigh Lofman. She was my uh, my roommate last year. Yeah, Raleigh Lofman. You know, she always amazed me because we always kind of called you the bulldog out there, you know, like the junkyard dog, like the tough one. And she always came across as this prim and proper kind of, you know, little gal or whatever. But then when she got on the field, I mean, she brought that same sort of mentality once she got on the field, did she not? Oh, absolutely. 
prim and proper is probably the best way to put her um, off the field. And then as soon as she got on the field, she she was a bulldog too. So she was a lot of fun to play with. That had to be fascinating rooming with her because that really is her off the field, isn't it? I mean, she's yeah. so polite, so kind. Polite, yeah. and I mean, kind of like a, a mom almost. Yeah, exactly. She was definitely the mom of the house. <laughs> that is awesome. We're here with Meredith Hawkinson, who's headed home, the two-time Minnesota Gatorade Player of the Year. She'll be featured tonight on the Big Ten Network. And obviously, Meredith, you know I've got a lot of joy calling Michigan over the years, particularly because of the way you play. But I feel like the team always gets amped up when they're on the Big Ten Network. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. I think any time where you've got a lot of eyes watching, it brings a sense of pressure, but also excitement. So, yeah. All right. Well, you touched on the fact that you're ready to turn it around as you're looking for your first Big Ten win. You've only played three games, so there's plenty of time. You're 0-2-1. You do have a tie. You have a winning record at 5-4-2. You've had a couple games where you've unleashed like massive goals. I think you scored seven against Toledo. And didn't you have another game where you scored six or seven as well this year? Yeah, um, Central Michigan too. Yeah, so you know when you get it going, you get right. it going. So kind of walk me through kind of how Jen is dealing with this right now as, you know, you're not quite where you want to be, but you know you can be. You've already pointed out that you have new players in there as well. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that Jen um, kind of stresses is we have all the right pieces. The components are there. I think at the end of the day, it's just coming down to the details. So it's the pace of pass. It's what foot are you playing? It's knowing when to take the shot or to dish it off to someone else. And so I think that's just the one piece that we're missing right now is the final details. And so that's something that's going to come. Um, like I said, a lot of new players. And so it's something that they're having to learn and having to pick up along the way. So I think just staying positive and then really focusing on like the details. Now, Meredith Hawkinson, because this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast, it's the world's largest coaching entity, over 30,000 members. I think it's always important to hear from a big-time player, and you are a big-time player, the importance of coaching. Can you talk about, as you think about your youth career, your high school career, now playing under Jen Klein for five years, what a difference a good coach makes to how you feel about your game and how you feel about yourself? Yeah, I think um, anytime you have a knowledgeable coach, both on the field and off the field, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, I've been fortunate enough to play for some some really intelligent coaches who know how to coach and then who also know know how to coach certain players and know who they're working with. That's probably the biggest piece that I've um, realized playing under Jen is she knows how each each player needs to be coached and how they're going to take information and receive it. Um, and so it's just been interesting throughout the years to see her work with different people um, and kind of the tone that she uses with different people or how she's doing it. I think once you get to the, the high level, most coaches are going to be intelligent coaches and they're going to know what they're talking about. It just comes down to um, how they're going to be able to communicate with, with their players. So I'm going to ask you to dig deep because we like to drop names on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. You had coaches at the youth level, the yeah. high school level. How about two or three other coaches that would love to hear their name as somebody that coached the great Meredith Hawkinson? <laughs> yeah, I think um, two coaches that come to mind. I This last summer, I was lucky enough to be home for a little bit of time before I started classes. And so I was a, uh, able to play WPSL under Greg Wheaton. So played for him. That was, I think, my third year playing for him. And so awesome coach, really knowledgeable. I have a blast anytime I'm able to learn from him. 
Um, so definitely Greg Wheaton and then also Danny Storling. I grew up club soccer playing for him at MTA and he, he really just stressed the details. Um, and that was something that in high school, you don't really focus on. And so, um, really set me up well for college. And so definitely Danny Storling too. And who was your high school coach? Absolutely. I'd give a lot of credit to Ben Levon. Um, He took a chance on me when I was just a ninth grader and definitely, definitely put me in there with the big kids, which I don't know if I should have been put in, but I, I learned pretty fast how high school soccer worked and kind of how to adapt to playing with older kids and bigger kids when I was just a little scrawny thing. So a lot of credit to Ben Levon too. Beyond the game tonight, 8 o'clock, Big Ten Network, Michigan at Minnesota. Minnesota, the home state for Meredith Hawkinson, about 25 minutes away from Robbie Stadium, which will be awesome to have your family there. What does the future hold for Meredith Hawkinson? What are you majoring in? And is there any consideration to going the Hillary Beal route and trying to play pro soccer? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I'm currently in, I'm getting my master's in business management right now. So that opens the doors for a lot of things. Really excited about this program that I'm in, but not ready or not sure if I'm ready to jump into the business world just yet. So I still go back and forth. As of now, the door is wide open right now for playing after after college. So I still love soccer, still um, enjoy playing. So it's definitely something that, that I'll be looking into. All right, before we say goodbye to Meredith Hawkinson, one of my favorite players across the country and definitely in the Big Ten. She'll feature for Michigan tonight against Minnesota, 8 p.m. on the Big Ten Network. If you score a goal, like it, it won't happen in Minnesota, but they'll play the Michigan fight song. Are you all in on Michigan now? Are you a Michigan gal? Like you go to the football games, basketball games, all of it? Oh, yeah, I bleed maize and blue now. I'd say it's it's interesting because obviously growing up in Minnesota, um, they get a lot of fans, a lot of Gopher fans, but I never really grew up um, going to the football games and anything. So this is the first time that I've had like a university that I'm that I'm really proud of. So definitely something that'll carry with me throughout the rest of my life. All right, Meredith Hawkinson, I can't wait for a great goal or a great bone crunching tackle or <laughs> any of the things that you do out there. Meredith Hawkinson, you've had a wonderful career and I've had a front row seat for it. Thank you so much for giving me so much joy as a broadcaster and also, more importantly, for kicking off today's podcast on game day. Great to be with you, Meredith. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. So since Meredith was a two-time Gatorade High School Player of the Year in the state of Minnesota and a United Soccer Coaches All-American, why don't we talk high school soccer next with Lee Jarrell, who is now the United Soccer Coaches High School Programs Manager formerly the Advocacy Relations Manager for United Soccer Coaches. Lee Gerald knows what it's like as well to have kids that also played high school sports and went on to play college sports. I like her story. I like Lee Gerald, period. Lee Gerald on the bounce. Performance analysis is now recognized as having a crucial role to play in any coaching program. United Soccer Coaches Performance Analysis Level 1 Special Topics Diploma will provide coaches with real-world examples of how analysis is being used to enhance the individual player development process and maximize team performance. Additionally, successful candidates will achieve Level 1 accreditation as an Applied Performance Analyst from the International Society of Performance Analysis of Sport. Register now by visiting the Master Course Schedule on unitedsoccercoaches.org. 
Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Lee Gaps. If you've been listening, this is becoming my favorite part of the show. Of course, during 30 under 30 time, we talk to all 30 of those superstars, but we've been taking the time to get to know all the staff members. You will know Lee Gerald because she's been on the podcast before, but she's never been on just as a spotlight on her and her career. And Lee Gerald, who is now the high school programs manager for United Soccer Coaches, joins me now. Welcome, Lee. Hi, Dean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you. Let's start with the fact that there now is a high school programs manager because that was one of the early moves from your new CEO, Jeff Van Dusen, one that he felt was important and one that indeed is important. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, that Jeff talked about early on was, you know, we, we've had somebody that has worked with our college services. We've had somebody that's worked with our member clubs, but we haven't really had anybody that's worked specifically with our high school coaches. High school coaches make up our largest percentage of coaches. So it seems like a no brainer to have someone that kind of lives, eats and breathes. I, you know, I walk in the door in the morning and I think about high school soccer and and coaches. So it's been a lot of fun so far, challenging, of course, and there's, but only in a good way because there's just, there's so much that we can do for high school coaches. So, so I'm really lucky to be the first person with this position. Yeah. I like that you have the title because you're also a super mom. You're a mom of three. I know two of them are athletes. All three might be athletes, but I remember talking to you years ago on this podcast about the importance of recruiting and picking the right college and everything else. And that kind of tied to the fact that, you know what, we still love high school soccer. I love high school soccer. My boys were basketball players and they played high school soccer. And I feel like they talk more about their time on the soccer field than on the basketball court. And they were legit like D one candidates. So do you share that love for high school soccer as well? Oh, I I wouldn't be in this position if I didn't. I think that um, I, I probably have an overabundance of love for high school athletics and what they bring to the kids and the school and the community is completely different than any other level of the game. So there are so many great things about it. And when I look back on my kids, they were all multi-sport high school athletes. Um, My two daughters played sports year round in high school and three sports and, and playing club sports at the same time. And it was just, it was, you know, it's a crazy life to live, but it made them who they are. It taught them, you know, there's, great coaching, there's okay coaching, and there's really bad coaching. And, you know, and uh, you get a little bit of that. You see a lot of different things. You, you kind of pick up on the great things about high school coaching. You see how it helps your kids kind of thrive and flourish. And they get different opportunities than they would in on a club team um, to be leaders, to put on the colors of their school and go out on the field and represent their school in front of a, a stadium of people. Um, you know, when you're 200 yards from your school building. Uh, it's just, it's just a pretty great feeling when you have kids and family and friends that are there to support you. So it's, there's so such a great benefit to playing in high school, no matter what sport it is. Lee, I thought you were amazing when you held the title of the advocacy relations manager. We've changed the name of that title. We met the new person last week, Michael Kodama, but now that you can focus exclusively on this all-important high school area, where, as you said, it's the number one percentage of our membership, which is 30,000 plus or thereabouts, how excited are you to be able to put that white hot focus on this area? I think about it every single day. There are so many great stories to tell, and it's so 
just connecting. We one of the things that we do here at United Soccer Coaches is we have partnerships with high school state associations. So one of the things that I've been doing in just the first few months on the job is meeting with the leaders of all of the associations that we currently have a partnership with. So just getting to understand just the landscape nationally of, of high school soccer, every state is a little bit different. So kind of learning about the, the nuances of what each state does, how, you know, and they, you play at all different times of year. It's There are three seasons. So some people play in the winter, some people in the fall, some, some people in the spring. So it's just kind of learning the ins and outs of every single state and what we as an association can do to support those high school coaches, trying to figure out what what do what do high school coaches need? What do they want? How can we get them in the door so they can take advantage of every member benefit that we have? And people are really excited about it. And especially with some of the new things that we have going on at the association, it's an even greater time to get on board with membership. So I'm just, my biggest goal is I just want more and more coaches to have access to what we have to offer and just trying to get out there and make connections and get ready for convention coming in January and try to get as many high school coaches there as possible. And then look forward to the year to come. There are a lot of great things on the horizon for them. Mom of three, right? You're the mom yes, of three. Lee. Okay. So before you were this super mom and this super outstanding <laughs> member of the staff for United Soccer Coaches, what was your name? Where did you grow up? Where did you go to college? And did you play sports along the way? Yes. So I, I know, and it's kind of crazy because mom of three, but my my mostly adult children now, which kind of means that I'm just getting old is what that <laughs> means. But yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about. But no, I grew up here um, in a suburb of Kansas City. I went to Shiny Mission East High School and we didn't even have girls soccer when I went to high school, uh, which is crazy. But again, that tells you that um, I'm old. And so, you know, so like my freshman year in high school, I had to try out for the boys team, which was an interesting experience. And I did not make the team. We will say that, but it was, it was a learning lesson. Um, it came away with a lot of good friends and luckily the next year we did have girls high school soccer. So I played through high school. I refed and, and started to play club when I think back in those days, there were maybe two or three club teams here locally. So, but we traveled and did all of that. And it was really, you know, and this was in the oh mid to late eighties. I graduated in 1990 from high school. You guys can all do the math, but I loved it. And it, it made me who I am. And it, it showed me that, you know, girls athletics, uh, I, you know, I think back to when I was just like a little kid playing on a rec team. I remember the first time I got, I was playing on an all girls rec team, even I was probably 10, 12. And the first time I was handed a, I'm sure it was just a participation trophy, but it had a girl on top. And I have that trophy to this day. And I remember what that meant to me to have a girl with a ponytail um, on top of that trophy. And cause that was a, that was a really big moment. Um, so when people make fun of those participation trophies, don't always knock them because that was really important to me. And then uh, after high school, I went to Emporia State University. Um, there was no women's soccer in the state at that point, really. And I started as uh, really down my coaching path. I started as a volunteer coach, which a bunch of like seven and eight year old boys and girls, people thought I had lost my mind. Uh, why would, you know, a 19 year old want to do that? But I miss, I miss soccer. And so in a small Emporia, Kansas, I started coaching. And then I was uh, asked to come on as part of the staff for the high school girls soccer team. 
So I was about 20 years old and started as a, like a JV and varsity assistant. And that's where it all began for me. So I was just kind of fell into it. Wasn't really a plan. Looking back now, I think if someone had looked at me and said, you know, you could be a coach for a career, my path might've been a little bit different, but there just really wasn't anybody in my life at that point that probably would even have thought to look at me and tell me that. So, you know, but luckily I am where I am. It's funny how things work out. I'm still in a sport that uh, I've loved since I was five years old and here I am to this day. So it's great. Not many people get to say that they have loved it since they were a little kid and that they get to make money doing it now. So how great is that? Yes, it's super great. So how many years did you coach and when did you first join United Soccer Coaches as a staff member? I, you know, I, I coached a couple of years in college. And then when um, my husband and I got married, we moved to outside of Tampa, Florida. And I coached at a high school outside of Tampa. Our oldest child was born and we decided we were going to pack up and come back to Kansas and come back to the grandparents and the family back here. So came back here and took a little bit of a break until my kids got a little bit older and then kind of started in on their path of with coaching them. And I think at one point I was coaching my older two kids rec teams and my third one was strapped in a backpack on my back. And uh, I was out coaching, running up and down a soccer field with my, my, my baby in a backpack, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I have moms coming up to me that would stand there just watching me and just couldn't believe what I was doing. And I, you know, I had moms that would come up and be like, you're our hero. This is yeah. amazing because you know, what are you going to do? It's uh, you got to be out there and you got to get out there for them. So um, yeah. So, I mean, I just kind of just coached them kind of all the way up through until I felt like it was time to hand them off to different coaches and, and different clubs and kind of set them on their path. So I did that for a lot of years, started working with local clubs and just kind of fell into it. And, you know, and you, I, I ended up working for a company that managed a bunch of different sports. Uh, and one of the, the groups that we worked with was a local soccer club. And that's how I got introduced to United Soccer Coaches. Just kind of a fluke. I mean, they they had coaches. I was working on kind of on the admin side, running, helping to run the business side of what they did. And I was lucky enough to uh, get to go to convention with them. And you you can't even describe convention to people until they get there and they see it uh, for the first time. And so I went for quite a few years with them. I was lucky enough to just be able to go around and do all the things, you know, obviously do all the admin stuff, but just to take in all the soccer and all the people and see people who I had heard of my entire life. So, you know, and it's just, it's, it's crazy to have those people in front of you. I remember <laughs> one of my first conventions being introduced to Anson Dorrance and he, uh, by one of our other staff members, you know, and when I look back on it, my person, my age and growing up in the time period that I did to meet someone like Coach Dorrance, who had such an impact on the women coming up through the game and really was at the beginning of starting this game in this country. And I was so embarrassed. I mean, I, you know, you can't get the words out. And I was so <laughs> excited to meet him. And I walked away, I walked away from meeting him and then burst into tears. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I, you know, it's and I my coworker looked at me like I had lost my mind. But I'm like, and of course it's a younger coworker. And I said, you just are not going to understand. And I'm like, you would never understand what it means to me to be able to meet the people who 
paved the way for someone like me to work in this sport. So it's just like, it was crazy. You know, just, you just feel like a complete idiot in the moment, but, um, but, no, you but it keep was it real. Cool. Yeah. You always keep it real, Lee. <laughs> so the only part you didn't answer is how many years you've been with United Soccer. Oh yeah, coaches. that's right. So, okay. I'm coming up. Let's see. I'm coming up on my fifth year. Okay. So uh, yeah, I came on uh, December 4th, actually right before we went to Philly the last time. And it was kind of like, you know, going to the deep end of the pool and then throwing me off the edge and uh, right came in right before convention. So yeah, so coming up on uh, almost five years here and it's flown by and I've met just incredible, incredible people. And I, you know, working with what are now our coaches communities, but working with our advocacy groups and all of the incredible people who work in and around um, advocating for coaches and uh, opening as many doors as possible. It's, 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 I, I miss the daily interaction, but you know, I have so much love for the people that, that are doing that job. Well, first of all, I'm not going to let you call yourself old because I'm older than <laughs> you. And um, so, and I definitely don't feel old and you definitely are not old to me at all. In fact, I, quite frankly, you remind me of Amy Schumer. I love Amy Schumer. <laughs> you make me laugh like Amy Schumer. You look a little bit like Amy Schumer. You're a mom like Amy Schumer. I actually think that's a compliment. Uh, I mean, what do you think? Absolutely. I think she's funny. I'm uh, you know, off the air, I'm definitely probably as inappropriate as she is. So I'll try to keep it clean. So, you know, but you ask the people that know and love me, they're probably going to say the same thing. Well, she keeps it real, though. That's not uh, even that's inappropriate. She, she just keeps it real, Lee. That's what we love about you. That's you know? true. So, that's true. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I got to believe that your kind of free spirit is part of the glue of the association. I mean, I got to feel like you feel like you're a mentor and you're a mom to three grown kids. Now, you know, you're a wife. And, and uh, as I said earlier, a super mom, you have been part of, you know, wrapping your arms around this advocacy. So I got to believe that, that, that that's a key part of the organization and part of what you love being a part uh, of United Soccer Coaches. I think the thing that I love the most are the relationships, um, whether it's with coworkers coaches, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's just the, yeah, with Dean. Yes, 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 absolutely. Dean, number one at the top of my list is that I am able to hang out with a guy like Dean Linky. Um, but no, it's really, it's about the relationships that you're able to form and feel like you are in some way making a difference. Um, hopefully that's, that's my biggest goal is that if I can make the game better for a coach, if I can give them the resources, the help, the, whatever it is that they need to do their job the best that they can for the lowest amount of stress in their lives, if somehow I can make that better, and if it can be made even better because they feel like they have a friend here, a voice here, um, an advocate for them in some way, then I hopefully have done my job in that way. But the relationships are priceless. I love it. Lee Gerald, the high school programs manager, will end with an important message. And we'll also tell you that anytime you have anybody in the high school game that you want on the podcast, just like when you were the advocacy relations manager, anytime you wanted anyone on the podcast, I always made sure we got them on. We are going to have Tasco on. Tell us what Tasco is. They're going to come on in October. That was something that was important to you. Tell us what to expect from them when they visit with us in October and who we're going to be visiting with. Great. So 
and I'll get to Tasco in just a second, but like you said, you are always so great about having the people on the, and, and I am a big believer in telling people's stories and putting the spotlight on coaches. But I also think we do a great deal of stealing from each other. So I love to have people on that if they're doing something great on their end, let's share it with all of our coaches and maybe someone, um, you know, is going to look at what they do at Tasco and they're going to go copy it in Illinois or somewhere, you know, who knows? It's just because why would we not want to help help the game by making each other better and sharing our ideas? So, so as far as TASCO goes, the Texas, Texas Association of Soccer Coaches, they're a large organization down in Texas. They put on a, an annual convention. They're very good friends of ours. Uh, you know, and in Texas, they play in the winter in high, for high school. So a lot of their coaches are not able to come to our convention in January because they are in the middle of their season. Because, you know, gosh knows, no one wants to play soccer in August in Texas. So um, so while they are playing over the winter, right before the, before their season starts, they hold this great event right before Thanksgiving. And coaches come and it's kind of, if you've been to the United Soccer Coaches Convention, it is kind of a mini version of, of what we do. And they have presenters, uh, demo, field demo, they have classroom sessions, they have exhibitors. Uh, they have an amazing uh, hall of honor where they induct people every single year into their hall of honor. Um, one of our board members, Rusty Oglesby, was inducted last year. So I go down just as a representative of the association. Um, I've been, I think this will probably be my fourth time attending, but it really is just a great event. And I think if we can kind of introduce it to our the other states um, in the country, the other high school associations, I would like to see other states kind of do the same thing and, and hold those kind of events and bring education to their coaches. Um, not just expect your coaches to, I don't get on a plane and go across the country, if we can bring it to them. And, and the nice thing about TASCO is that we are involved in, we help provide a presenter. So um, Dave Simeon is going to be going down, or one of our education directors is going to be going down with me doing presentations. We hold a special topics diploma with them. Uh, this year, it's going to be, there's going to be a session online prior to the event. And then when we get down there, they're going to finish it up. So they will actually earn a diploma from us by attending that event and taking um, attending specific sessions that we hold. So, so it's a great relationship. It's a great partnership. I think a lot of states could in some way take it and copy it and emulate it, hopefully, um, to bring it to their own coaches. Dean, you're going to be interviewing um, Jimmy Kruger, and he is the COO of TASCO now. And so he's kind of my main point of contact down there just as far as uh, as helping us helping them to kind of get their get their event up and running and um, so it's going to be fun to have him come on and kind of share he's been involved in that association for quite a while very busy guy go-getter so I, I know he, they're going to put on a great event this year yep and he will be on in October I want to end with this have you seen Amy Schumer, she's doing these little tiny bits now. Are you seeing any of those online? No, I haven't. I, oh I, my goodness. No, I'm going to have to go look now. Every potential topic, <laughs> a lot of them off the wall, as you might expect, but uh, uh, they're fantastic. You need to, every time I see them, I think of you and now I'm looking right at you. So <laughs> Lee, Gerald, you are fantastic. The high school programs manager, really outstanding interview. We covered so much. Love your story. Love your passion for high school, your passion for your family and your passion for United Soccer Coaches. Lee, Gerald, thanks so much for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thanks for having me, Dean. It's always great to talk to you. I feel the same way, Lee. And coming up next, we have another 
Outstanding Soccer Mom, part of the Latino Soccer Coaches Community Podcast Takeover during Hispanic Heritage Month. Art Hernandez, a media superstar, has a wonderful woman who coaches at youth, high school, and college. She's a mom of two. She does it all. We'll meet Jessica with Art Hernandez after these messages. You are listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by League Apps. This is Dean Linke, longtime college soccer play-by-play man, reminding all college soccer coaches to amplify your upcoming season with the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Register now for the 2022-23 season and gain access to valuable resources you can use all season long. From educational programming to general liability insurance, the list of member benefits is endless. Make sure your program gets the recognition they deserve through All-America, Scholar All-America, Staff of the Year, and Team Awards available for College Services members. Don't miss out. Early bird registration ends October 1st, so sign up today by going to unitedsoccercoaches.org. This is Art Hernandez, your takeover host, and I want to thank United Soccer Coaches for giving the Latino Soccer Coaches community a spot in four consecutive United Soccer Coaches podcasts. And today we have Jessica Montiel. Coach Jessica, please tell us a little bit about you. Hi, thanks, Coach Art. I'm happy to be on the show. I am a youth high school and uh, college soccer coach. I'm also a mom of two kids, and I really just enjoy watching the kids develop division, or the lowest division, 2015s, 2014s, U8, U9. 7v7 is my jam. I love watching the development from that age. Um, High school's just fun because I get to see a lot of my old players come back and come through a new program. Um, And college now is just so exciting because it's a totally different level. Like we're supposed to win. We're supposed to go at them. We're supposed, you know, and then I get to take my little competitive spiritness into that realm of coaching, which is nice. So right away, you describe yourself as a mom of two. Tell me a little bit about that. I know here in this Hispanic Heritage Month, um, obviously we want to celebrate our Hispanic culture. And that's not always the case sometimes when it comes to supporting mothers who want to coach or who do coach. So tell us a little bit about that dynamic and how you guys make it happen. What you guys do differently that allows you to coach. Yeah. Everybody always asks me like, how do you do it all? And it's my number one teammate, my husband, he literally does everything else. He cooks, he cleans, he'll pick up the kids from school. He'll drop them off at school. He really takes on that present parent role, which at first was a little tough for me as a mom. Uh, Mom guilt comes in all shapes and sizes and it'll stay there all the time. So I felt like I needed to be more present with my kids, but my husband was doing it. You know, they were safe. They were taken care of. And once I got over that guilt part, I really just appreciated that I can do what I love that fulfills me so I can come home and be the best parent I can be for them. So it actually is better for me to be out doing what makes me happy. Um, I listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about parenting from abundance and 
when you think of that, especially as a Latina, the first thing you think of is what more can I give my kids? And it's actually the opposite. It's what more can I give myself so that I can be the best person for my kid. And I think that my children get to see a very unique dynamic in the Hispanic household where my husband is the one cooking, the one cleaning and doing those things. And I'm the one going to work and being told, mom, stay home. I want you. I wish you didn't coach so much, but they love being out of the field too. And that's the other part of it is it's a family thing. It's not just me being out at the field by myself. It's, and they're home by themselves. I'm out of the field with my kids, with my husband. He's my team manager for one of my teams. My daughter used to be on the other team. So he knows all those parents and interacts with them. And so it's never um, a situation where I can't be where I need to be and not be part of my family as well. And, and, and what that brings up, and that brings up a great point uh, with regards to creating a soccer culture at home, because you're talking about, well, my kids like being on the field as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you bring your kids when, when you're coaching, even if you're not coaching them, are they still on the field with you? Does your husband have any role and any coaching role? How do you create a soccer culture at home? My kids have, my daughter was, she was, she is now seven. So when I got into the thick of my coaching, it was right after she was born. And, um, I would literally take her to practice with me. My husband got off work at 3.30, so he would come pick her up at like four, and she literally grew up on the soccer field with us. My husband has always helped out on the recreational side of our club. He's always picked up random teams that need coaches, um, and on top of a team that is either our daughter's team or my son's team, and it can get a little crazy, but we love it. We love that we all get to be out there. Everybody on the field knows all my kids. They know my husband. A funny story. My, We were at a um, birthday party at a bowling alley and across the, across the way was a pet shop. And my dad took my daughter over to the pet shop <laughs> to look at the dogs. And one of the, the um, she was like, a manager director on like the manager director for the club. She is married to somebody who actually knows my husband. So that's a super small world anyways, but she didn't know my husband or my, my dad, excuse me. So he walks up, she walks up and she goes, um, excuse me, is that baby Alyssa? And he's like, yes. And she goes, and you are, and he's like her grandpa. And so it was just really funny because no matter where my kids are, like they know that they're mine and they know that they're like, my kids run around the field everywhere. Just somebody will pick them up on the cart and bring them back. Um, when my daughter was first born, we would just go volunteer for the um, tournament central and things like that. And they would take my daughter and I would have to radio like, who has Alyssa? Can you bring her back to tournament central? Um, so it's really great to have that also that family culture in our club, um, because it really helps all of us. Like my husband's going to school and right now he has a class on Wednesday nights. So he goes and takes my son to practice, um, my daughter to practice, and then my son's at a different field. So one of the, one of the recreational coordinators will pick him up on the cart. She already knows to bring him over to my field and he's there waiting for the end of practice. Um, so it, it, those are the things that really make this work for us. Yeah. And I think for 
people, coaches, players, parents who maybe don't have that type of club or are not involved in that type of club, there are different ways to run a club. (laughs) There are very, very many ways to run it there's and, and i'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way no there's absolutely different, yeah there's different ways to run it and it sounds like in your community it is very family friendly it, it is very culture driven as far as just being able like one of the things about uh, hispanics in our culture is we like being comfortable and we like when we can go somewhere and have that familiarity. And I don't think that's just a Hispanic thing. I think just in general, but for us having that comfort with the people that we're at, even when, even in a professional environment, and then being able to then like in your case, produce quality teams and and coach at a a good level and, and whatnot. I, I think that that just speaks to your club and what you guys are doing there. Now, you also recently just got a, a role with a college team. I did. Talk to me about, the, again, that decision to take that on and, again, the support that it takes to be able to, to commit to that because that's not something that is easy to do. No, not at all. And it, it literally went from night and day. Like, I was living my regular life, and then I took the job, and it was like, boom, it, it, it was full force right away. So when I was offered the job, my husband was like, of course, you you have to take this. This is something that is growth for you. This is something that you have been striving for. So once I got the college coaching position as an assistant coach, um, I started to really think about my future in coaching. And one of the things out here in California is you have to have your master's degree to even coach junior college. So I need to go back to school to get my master's degree. My husband has been telling me to go back to school for years. And so he's like, this is the perfect time. You go back to school, you go coach this college team. And he actually quit his job so that he could stay home all summer with the kids because my son was not old enough to go to any summer school programs yet. And we can't afford to go and put him in camps every week and things like that. So he quit his job and started to stay home with the kids so that I could go and live my best life as a college coach. What it sounds like to me, right? And and I don't think this is soccer specific. I think this is just in general. When you have that level of support, what you can do is limitless, especially when you're you're supporting the person that you love, especially in such a a demanding career, which is, which is soccer and coaching. There's a lot of travel involved. There's a lot of volunteerism. A lot of times you even have to put in your own money to buy your supplies, supplies for, for your players. It's a lot. And yeah. And from what I'm just listening here is it is great to have men that are able to do that. And we need more of it. And, and not for any, not, not, again, not specific to soccer, just in general, just so not only one person in, in a partnership lives their best life but like so the whole it's the whole so um i appreciate that now coaching education super important i mean you're going to go back and get your master's what role has coaching education played in your development it honestly changed my perspective completely so when i took my course for my d license last fall at the end of it it just had me on fire to try new concepts and do new things um 
And in my coaching education journey, I found United Soccer Coaches and everything that they do. And it just made me want to learn more and learn more, um, which is why going back to school, my husband's like, you can't. <laughs> it's so funny because I always say my husband, because he's the one that pushes me to do all these things, because I'll be honest, I'm scared. I wouldn't do it. I would sit home and get my little job and be fine, coach my little two teams at club and, and be fine with it. But he sees something in me that won't allow him to let me just be. So when I, after I got my D license, jump back into school and get started. And that's really what got my whole wheels spinning. And then getting the college job just kind of put the cherry on top of everything that put it in motion. And speaking of development, is now going back to the players a little bit, how do we develop self-confidence in, in players? For me, it's just pouring into the players. I think that if I can love on them so much that they respect everything I say. When I tell them that they can do it, they can. And I really, that that's so big for me because I feel like sometimes, especially in girls, we kind of hold them back a little bit. We don't, we tell them, oh, you're good. You, you can play, but no one's like you, if you worked hard, you can get to the next level. If you, no one did that for me. And so I feel like I underdeveloped because I didn't have anybody pushing me more than just, you know, let's play this game kind of thing. Um, for me, even at the youngest ages, uh, one of the things I like to do for my U7s and U8s is I'll keep track of how many passes they've done, how many skills they've done, how many, whatever our, our topic is that week. And when they come off the field at halftime, no matter what the score is, because usually they don't even know, I'm like, look at how many passes you've done. Look at how many skills you've done, you know? And I just blow that up that they don't even remember what's going on on the field besides what they're doing in their play. And I, it's crazy to me that that's not usual, that that's not how coaches coach players and how they instill self-confidence, but I see it because now at the college, I see these girls that are so good and are like, yeah, you know, I'm just playing here for two years. And it's like, no, you're not like, you are so good. You are so talented. You are so smart. You can do so much more than just play two years at a junior college. Um, and so I'm loving this role where I get to also see it because whenever I see something up here, I bring it back down here. Um, when I was coaching at, or I still coach at the high school, but that's the same thing. I remember what there was one day we were working on breaking lines and they could not get their first touch to break the first line. So I went back to practice that day. And I think the girls were you nine at the time. And I'm like, break the line, break the line. You're not going to go to high school and your coach is not going to know how to break the line. Um, so it, it's fun to coach these different age groups because then I can, bring what I know up here and bring it down here. And the same thing, I bring what I know down here, up here. Some of the times uh, the girls at the college or the girls at the high school are so worked up or so wanna get into this game or they're frustrated about their play. And I just remind them to smile. You're supposed to be having fun. This is a game, no matter what. And I get that from the littles, you know, I bring that straight, I bring that from the littles up to the top to just remind them that it's always a game. And it never, and you're never going to be as good as you are unless you're having fun on the field. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I and I do the same thing. I, I am very lucky and I get to coach two, three-year-olds and then players who are in high school or pushing college. So you're right. We, we, there's, there's a lot of things that do not translate between the different yeah. ages, but there's a lot of things that do. And mm-hmm. I think that being able to carry both ways is super, super helpful, especially yeah. if like in, in both our cases here, we're, we're working with different age groups at the same time. You've been coaching club, you coach high school and then college. How can we help that Hispanic player transition from player to coach, whether they're in college or are out of college or even in high school? Or how do we help that transition from, okay, yes, you're a player, but at some point we need you to coach or you should be a coach. How do we start that? Um, I think that it starts with love and support, you know, like the more people tell them that they can do this, the more people that can put it in their head, then we can start to have the drive to want to do it. But if we're not putting this support and love and power really in their head, you know, they're, they're not going to have the drive. Like I said, you know, nobody told me how good I could be. I wonder how, what level I could have actually played at if I had that drive to get better and not just be the player that I was in high school a lot. I think girls start to realize, am I going to go to college? Am I going to, you know, what am I going to do next? And being able to talk to them and ask them what their interests are. Do you think you want to coach? Do you think that's something that you'd be good at? I think that you're good at that. Putting that into their head, really making them feel, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, it is something I can look forward to. And I think that that's something special. I've been in my club for 11 years now and not for whatever, but if you say coach Jessica, people usually know who you're talking about. And I think that that's amazing because there's so many girls in our club that know who coach Jessica is and knows that I coach club and that I coach high school and now I coach college. And even just to have that presence in you and to see somebody, you know, who looks like you doing that, because I never saw female coaches growing up, let alone Latina coaches. Like that was, that was unheard of. And so, and it's not like I grew up a long time ago. Like I'm only 38, I'm not that old. And so to have this representation, I think right now, even at the youngest ages is so important. My daughter says when, you know, school things come up and what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be this, this, and this, and the coach. Well, why do you want to do all those things? Well, mommy, you can do all those things. And so, because she can see that, like, boom, that changes my entire perspective every single time. That is what this is about. I mean, I mean, I, I think that's what this is about, right? Representation and not only representation, but representation at, at a high level, um, yeah. someone of character, good reputation, and someone people can look up to, right? And and it's fantastic that that you're able to to be a leader in your community. Thank you. So we're gonna talk in Spanish for like a minute or two. Okay, don't make fun of my Spanish though. All right. Entonces, Coach Jessica, ¿nos puedes decir algo a las entrenadoras latinas que nos estén escuchando en español? ¿Algo que les puedas recomendar? ¿Algo que ellas pueden hacer? Busca a alguien que te quieren. Busca a alguien que te va a ayudar y que te quiere más que una jugadora. Busca a alguien que te quiere 
ver ser la más mejor que puedes hacer. Busca personas que pueden hacer eso por usted. Busca latinas, porque es, yo creo que es bien importante para mirar otras latinas que pueden hacer diferentes cosas. No nomás entrenadores, pero todo, profesoras, doctoras, lo que sea. Pero esas personas son personas que tienen un lumbre adentro que quiere, quiere salir por todos. Y si puedes hallar a alguien que te puede ayudar con ese lumbre, va a ser bien, bien lejos. Coach, I appreciate you having, uh, having you here today, talking to us and sharing your experiences and, and your experiences in your community. We wish you the best. We're, gonna, we're going to follow your journey. And once again, thanks United Soccer Coaches for giving the Latino Soccer Coaches community this podcast takeover. Now I turn it back to the host of the podcast, Dean Linky. Art, what a great guest and what a story. Jessica is a mom, a youth coach, a high school coach, a college coach, doing great things and also a part of the Latino soccer coaches community. Well done. I'm looking forward to the next two as well. We are not done as we continue to push the training ground and we have a return visitor, Dr. Rachel Linval, who along with Aaron McLeod, the Canadian goalkeeper, created the Mindful Project and they are part of the content creation consortium for the training ground. She has written her article for the Soccer Journal. Remember, we're going to, for lack of a better word, cross-pollinate on the United Soccer Coaches podcast as we bring you the training ground in all waves of media. And Dr. Rachel Linval will break down her article when we return. Does it feel like all you're doing to manage your team, club, or league is busy work? If so, League Apps can help you get back to doing what you love, delivering a powerful yet simple youth sports management platform from robust registration and payment tools to automated communications and other software integrations. League Apps saves you time and headaches. Less busy work, more time doing what you love. Go to leagueapps.com to learn more. League Apps is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. If you remember two weeks ago, we made it official with the launching of the training ground. Last week's podcast, we kicked off with Jeff Van Dusen, the CEO of United Soccer Coaches and his announcement of the training ground. And he talked about the most important part of the training ground, and that is the content creation consortium and amazing people. Now, We also were able to get out in front of Jeff's announcement with Dr. Rachel Linval, who leads the Mindful Project, and she is indeed part of the Content Creation Consortium. She focuses on mental performance within the training ground, and she said she was going to have an article coming out. Well, guess what? It's coming out soon. She's written the article, and she's back to talk about it, which is why we're here. That is part of the collaboration between the online learning, between the Soccer Journal and the podcast. Dr. Rachel Linval, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Thank you. Good to see you again. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, I love that you reached out early to talk about how excited you were to be a part of the training ground. And now you've written this article. I love the title. It's called Training Attention in Our Athletes. I want to repeat that. Training Attention in Our Athletes. And I'm just going to read the first paragraph and then have you enlighten us on the focus of this article because it's a great first paragraph. It says, pay attention, focus, listen up, please. As a coach of any age athlete, you probably find yourself using these phrases in training. There's plenty of blame to go around for our athletes' lack of focus or attention, but what can we do about it? And here to talk about it now is Dr. Rachel Linvall from The Mindful Project. You can check out all her work at The Mindful Project. We'll have more on that throughout the show. But what a great first article, training attention in our athletes. And what a way to get my attention. Pay attention, focus, listen up, please. Yeah, I think that as a coach for uh, over 20 years personally, and just you walk by any field of, of a coach that's working with athletes, you usually are hearing them say, pay attention, focus. Every, that, that's one of the biggest challenges is getting athletes' attention. So I figured what better to, to launch with than how can we actually train that in our athletes? Because I think a lot of times we think of attention as something that we are at the mercy of the lack of attention in our athletes and don't have any control over it. So I wanted to give coaches a tool for how they could actually train this and improve this with their teams. One of the things you say right off the bat is most of our athletes have unknowingly trained their brains to follow any distraction. What do you mean by that, Rachel? Well, so much in the social media age, right? Everything's changing all the time, changing constantly. And so when, um, when something that comes up to distract us, you know, on our phones, there's always pop-ups, there's, you know, different things flashing in front of us. And so we really get used to bouncing from one thing to another to another. Uh, adults as well, not just uh, youth. Um, but when we allow ourselves to just bounce from one thing to the next to the next without realizing it, we're actually training our brains to follow those distractions versus staying focused on what it is that we're trying to accomplish. I like that you're telling people that they can be trained to pay attention. And one of the things you say, even in this article, it says likely, even as you're reading on this article, you might not be focused solely on this article, which is pretty amazing. You say, as you notice where your brain is going, imagine you're watching these events play out on TV. Good tip. Simply observe where your brain is going without getting wrapped up in the thought. Dive deeper on that sentiment. We talk about uh, at the Mindful Project, we obviously talk about mindfulness a decent amount, which really comes to just paying attention, right? And, and how we pay attention to our thoughts. And uh, so one of the things that we talk about is being able to observe a thought we're having versus letting us carry it away. And I, I use this example a lot with, with teams, but also in this article of, you know, imagine you're walking by a swimming pool. You know, you can notice that the swimming pool is there without jumping in. And conceptually with our thoughts, a lot of times when we have a distracting thought, we actually do the equivalent of just jumping into the pool and feeling like it was out of our control versus noticing, hey, I'm having a thought right now, you know, that I'm worried about this thing in the future, or I'm thinking about that conversation I had earlier. If I notice it, I can kind of identify it and then slide that over and bring my attention back to whatever it is I'm trying to focus on or trying to accomplish. You say that present moment focus brings us to the topic of mindfulness. Of course, you're tied to the mindful project. Mindfulness is simply paying attention on purpose in the present moment in a non-judgmental way. So Dr. Linvall, what is so important about present moment focus? 
Well, if we think about how much of our thoughts are not in the present moment, right? If we're, if we just stopped and paid attention to where our brain's going, a lot of times it's maybe replaying something. It might've been an earlier conversation or thinking about something that happened yesterday or earlier in the day, or I'm thinking about what I have to do next. And for athletes, a lot of times they're maybe thinking about a mistake that they had last training session, or maybe just in in the last activity you did, Um, or they're worried about, am I going to start or am I going to mess up or how good is this team going to be? So, so often we're putting a lot of our attention into thoughts that are out of the present moment. And the only thing we can control is in the present moment. We can't control the past or the future, but we we spend so much of our thought time there that we aren't able to put our full attention and energy into what we're trying to do in that moment. So what do we do with distracting thoughts, especially in today's world of social media, as you already mentioned? When we have distracting thoughts, it's kind of the old old sports psychology. Uh, When I was first entering the the world of sports psychology was really about stopping those thoughts. It was was saying, you know, thought stoppage and thought replacement. But more research has been done since then that says, you know, what we resist uh, persists, right? If we're putting all of our attention into thoughts we don't want, what do we think about? Well, those thoughts, right? We can't really control them, but we can choose which ones we we give our attention to. And I use the example a lot of times with athletes is how many times have you been on your phone, you know, on social media or something that you're paying attention to? Someone's talking to you and you don't even hear them, right? That's the power of how much we're able to put our attention into one thing. And so with that choice, realizing that if we're having thoughts that are uh, distracting us, that it is a choice to be able to then put your attention into the one you want to put it into. It might be the equivalent of you're playing, you know, if it's a club team and they're playing, there's multiple fields, you have coaches from other fields yelling instructions, but you're able to tune in, you're able to choose to turn into your coach and not listen and pay attention to the one that's on the other field. You can't stop that coach on the other field from talking or giving instructions, but you can determine which which voice you're you're giving your attention to. We're here with Dr. Rachel Linval from The Mindful Project. She's part of our content creation consortium. Her tile is under mental performance. Her article for Soccer Journal is called Training and Attention in Our Athletes. A great title worth mentioning again, Training Attention in Our Athletes. In the article, you talk about the next piece of mindfulness is, quote, non-judgment. What do you mean by that? Non-judgment is really when we're noting a thought and saying, okay, there's a thought that's there that I don't really want to think about, or it's distracting, or it's not where I need to be right now. It's also not beating ourselves up for having the thought, because a lot of times if we're, let's say we're trying to focus on whatever's in front of us, and then our brain keeps going to something else. If we then say, oh man, you know, I can't believe I keep thinking about that thing, or I can't believe I keep thinking about that mistake. It just compounds the issue. Because we have a limited amount of attention. And if we spend our time beating ourselves up for whatever that thought is, it's in the article I talk about, it's the equivalent of, you know, an athlete that maybe takes a shot and hits the crossbar and is so frustrated that, you know, maybe they're on the ground or they have their head in their hands, but the play's still going on. And when we take time to Um, judge our thoughts or criticize our thoughts, it's essentially that same sort of thing. The play is going on around us and we are taking ourselves out of it by taking this time to beat ourselves up instead of doing something positive with it. 
So break it down. How can we specifically help athletes train their brain to pay attention? So the first part of it is awareness, just helping them notice when their brain is outside of the present moment, um, outside of that activity they're trying to do. So if you teach them to take those, that time and say, okay, close your eyes, notice where your brain is going, right? Like that's the first step is just noticing how many different thoughts they're having and then giving them something to pay attention to. A, a common thing is, is paying attention to the breath, um, breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, if they can. Um, or it's even just saying, notice the thought that, or sorry, notice the, uh, the sounds that you hear and have them just putting their attention into the sounds that they hear. Or if you're sitting on the grass, notice, you know, how does the grass feel against your skin? It's giving them something specific to pay attention to. And then it can just be 30 seconds. It doesn't have to be a crazy amount of time, but have them start noticing if their brain goes to something else instead of whatever you've given them to pay attention to. Note it, say, oh, my brain's off track, bring it back. And helping them understand that noticing their thoughts leaving is a win because then you're able to bring it back to the present moment or whatever it is you're trying to focus on. All right. As we break it down, one of the things I like about your article, just uh, like I like about interviewing on the podcast, you always tie it together. And in your article, you end with saying the educator and me can't help but conclude our time together with some key takeaways. I'll say them and then you tell me what they mean. Number one, attention is limited, but trainable. Research shows we have a limited amount of attention, right? When we add more things or more thoughts, we don't expand our attention. We merely divide it. But in that, just like anything, we can train ourselves uh, to use that attention and put it on the things that are actually going to help us grow, help us as people, help us train whatever it is that we're trying to do in that moment. Second point, present moment focus improves attention. So we talked about wanting to improve attention in our athletes, practicing present moment focus. So taking time to say, okay, 30 seconds, we're going to focus on just the sounds that you hear. Then, you know, at first their brains might be bouncing all over the place, but then the more they do it, the easier it becomes. Maybe their brain only bounces one or two times, or maybe they're able to do the full 30 seconds, but just like push-ups or, or touches on the ball, anything, the more we do it, the better we become. Third point, we have the power to choose which thoughts we give our attention to. So we can't stop the thoughts that are flooding through our head, but we do get to choose which ones we give our attention to. And I think that the, having that power is key for so many people to realize that it's that they do have some control over the situation. Fourth point, attention training, I'm putting it in quotes, can start with 30 seconds of directed present moment focus. So a lot of times when people think about uh, mindfulness or attention training, they think it has to be a really big thing, but literally 30 seconds of practiced attention focus, whether it's our breathing, whether it's uh, scanning their body, um, whether it's listening to, like we said, the sounds around us uh, or something visual, it can be 30 seconds um, can help train the brain and start growing our attention. And your final thought, small, consistent changes can have powerful results. We start doing even just 30 seconds a day. If something as little as that in our training sessions, then it's going to start growing our athletes' ability to pay attention, to be able to decipher where they're giving their attention, and which has amazing effects as far as even in, in terms of confidence, uh, feeling more prepared, having less anxiety, because so much of our stress and anxiety is coming from outside of the present moment. 
Um, and when we talk about present moment, I think a really important thing for people to understand is that that doesn't mean that we don't learn from the past or we don't plan for the future. I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, only present moment is what we're talking about. But in the present moment, I can intentionally look at game film, look at what I need to do differently, right? But that's a big difference than beating myself up for a mistake. It's intentional. Or in the present moment, I can intentionally plan for something in the future as best I can as far as um, taking steps towards you know, a successful game with whatever is in our control. I just think that's an important uh, distinction when we talk about present moment focus. You end by saying, thank you for spending some of your precious attention with me today. And I look forward to discussing more tools you can use to improve your athlete's mental game in future articles. I end by saying, thank you for spending your more precious attention with us, Dr. Rachel Linvo. You are indeed impressive. And I end with asking you to plug your website one more time. Absolutely. You can find us at themindfulproject.us. And uh, that's co-founded with uh, Aaron McLeod and plays for uh, Orlando and uh, Canada. And don't want to miss getting her name in there because she is uh, the, the other important half of this team. I love it. The article that will be coming out soon in Soccer Journal as part of the recently launched Training Ground and our great content creation consortium, Training Attention in Our Athletes. Great article, great visit. Dr. Rachel Linville, thanks again for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. A wonderful show indeed featuring four powerful, influential women doing great things in the sport we love. Speaking of great women, I want to thank Bailey Conklin and Erica Dyer and great men. I want to thank Brandon Milburn and Jeff Van Dusen and Steve Veal and Pat Madden and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. And of course, I want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them and all of you, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Lee Gaps. Thanks for listening to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by League Apps. League Apps is the leading youth sports management platform, providing organizations with the technology and professional development they need to run, grow, and win. To learn more about League Apps, find them at leagueapps.com or as League Apps on all of the social networks. And to learn more about United Soccer Coaches, visit us at unitedsoccercoaches.org.